spreading Cajun across the nation, pushing the brand across the land. Welcome to Ragin' Review, made by the fans for the fans. Cajun Nation, Matt Miguez here. Happy hump day to you. Welcome to Region Review. It is Wednesday, December 2nd, two days away from the mega showdown between the Cajuns and the App State Mountaineers. Friday night in Boone, 7.30 on ESPN. And, you know, th- this is always a fun week. Um, you know, although we're 0-8 against App State, this has kind of become a little bit of a rivalry for the Cajuns. And, you know, th- it's always a fun game. The, to to get with App State and so it's a fan base rivalry, uh, you know, we we poke fun at their fan base. Their fan base returns the favor, uh, so that's always a good time. Joining me, as he always does, is the phenomenal Jerry Abear. Jerry, first of all, good morning, happy Hump Day. Good morning, happy Hump Day. And you know, let, let's. Just, Let's just rip the Band-Aid off and, and dive right in. You know, App State's in 48 hours. How, how First of all, how excited are you for this game? And then, you know, what would this game mean to Cajun Nation if we're able to pull off the win? Well, first of all, Matt, good morning. Thank you for having me, as always, my friend. Um you know, I think this is one of those seasons where I'm just thankful that the game is still on. Um, you've seen over the past month or so the number of games around the country that have been either postponed or canceled. And for us, the you know, we lost the UCA game a few weeks ago due to COVID issues. And we were able to get the ULM game in last week. And, of course, this game is was rescheduled for Friday night that when it should have happened back in October. So I'm just happy to have the opportunity to play the game. Uh, And I'm very excited that we're able to play the game at a time where we're really starting to click and find momentum. And um, yeah, it's, it's, and on top of that, you know, we just got a rank, we're, we're ranked in three polls, three of the major polls. And, you know, we get to go play a team that has pretty much had our number over the past eight meetings. And I think we have a team that's good enough to to go up there and, and not only in the street but make a statement. And I'm I'm pretty fired up about that opportunity. I know the coaches and the players are probably licking their chops right now, ready to go. Um, so we're gonna see, man. I'm fired up. I'm ready to I'm ready to roll. It's gonna be fun. Yeah, no no question about it. The Cajuns are ranked in all three polls. AP poll sitting at number twenty. Coaches poll sitting at number twenty one. And for the first time in school history. The Cajuns are ranked in the college football playoff poll, currently sitting at number 25 in the country. You know, Jerry, before... Are there, are there any other teams in the state that are in any of those polls? Oh, no, sir. Okay, just wondering. You know, before before we dive deeper into this App State game, let's give a recap of the Sunbelt scores from last weekend. Five games were played over Thanksgiving weekend. There were two close ones and three ass whoopings. Um, you know, for, for lack of better terms, the close ones, Georgia State edges out Georgia Southern 30-24 to in Atlanta, and then South Alabama 
doing what they need to do against the Red Wolves of Arkansas State, 38-31. to And, you know, Coastal Carolina was one of the three ass-whippings. You know, they're now number 14 in the college football playoff poll. They played Texas State and took care of business 49-14 to to uh, to lock themselves into the Sunbelt Conference Championship game. App State, our opponent this weekend, took care of business over the Troy Trojans 47-10. to And then, you know, we went to... Is it safe to call them little brother now? I mean, to me, it had always been that, but I mean... Because, I mean, we're in, the I same, we're in the same conference, so I mean, I don't want to like completely disrespect them. But at the same time, like they're 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 little brother. I mean, look, uh, the, the the conference thing is is the one saving grace from a perception standpoint. But let's be honest. Yes, they're conference foes. Yes, we play them in every sport, every season. Yes, geographically, they're the cold, closest school to us in the conference. But when you look at things that matter, like actual money and finances and a budget amount, yeah. you know Louisiana has two and a half times the amount of money in the athletic budget than UL Monroe. Um, you know, you look at the, the facilities we have here in Lafayette compared to Monroe, it's night and day. Yep. You look at the fan support we have here in Lafayette compared to Monroe, it's night and day. Yep. It's just, it's, it's you know, I, I really, I, I spoke with a few fans after the game, whether it was on, you know, through the phone or, you know, in person talking about just kind of recapping everything that happened. And yes, it's great that we dominated, but there's a little piece of me, a small, small, small piece that just kind of looks at them and goes, you know, I kind of feel for them because they don't have the resources to compete. They don't quite have the money to compete at this level. And, you know, even on Twitter, you've seen their own fans after the game. They were just like, you know, just end it. Go, go, drop down to FCS. Find, find, you know, maybe go to the Southland and compete there, and and and, and you'll you'll have success. I just don't think they have the resources to have a sustainable amount of success here, really, in any sport. You know, yeah, um, yeah. There, there's it, it, it's it's just. I mean, that's just the god the god's honest truth. I mean, you know, baseball. They've had one regional appearance in decades. Basketball, I think their last tournament appearance was when, when they were in the Southland back in like the 90s. Football, they've been in FBS for 26 years, have had one winning season. I mean, what more can you say? I'm with you. You know? Cajuns taking care of business on Saturday in Monroe by the score of 70 to 20. I mean, the, the more I read it and the more I say it out loud, I, I just kind of want to apologize to the to the Monroe fan base because that was well it was, here's, it was brutal. Here's another thing about that: you look at the um, you look at the past two years, and you look at a team that basically missed field goals at to, to end the game to lose to us. You compare that to this year; it's two completely different teams. I think ULM coming into the game they were zero and eight, and they're on the downside or the down the downward slope, whereas here we are, a team that has gotten better each year, and we're on the upward slope. I think it was just a perfect storm um, going into this match. I mean, look, we were a twenty-eight point favorite, and you know whether it was you, me, Josh, 
other fans, you know, we, we were all saying that we're probably going to cover the spread. Yeah. 28 points. And we were going to cover the spread against our so-called rival. That speaks volumes. That says a lot. Yeah, no, no question about it. Looking at the Sunbelt games for this coming weekend, obviously Friday night, the Cajuns and the Mountaineers on ESPN. App State currently listed as a two-and-a-half-point favorite. And then Saturday, there's four games on the docket. Uh, Troy, South Alabama will play at 1 o'clock on ESPN 3. Troy currently sitting at a four-and-a-half-point favorite. 0-9 UL Monroe will play 3-7 and seven Arkansas State. Arkansas State is a 21-point favorite currently for that 2 o'clock matchup on ESPN3. And then at 5 on ESPN+, 5-1 FAU plays 6-4 Georgia Southern. Georgia Southern a 2.5-point favorite in that one. But, you know, some people are calling this the biggest game of the weekend. You know, college game day is going to be in Conway for this one as the number 18 Coastal Carolina Chanticleers We'll host 9-1 Liberty on ESPNU at 1 o'clock. Coastal Carolina currently listed as a 10.5-point favorite in that ball game. You know, outside of the UL App State game, is Liberty Coastal the most interesting game on the schedule to you? Well, first of all, I want to congratulate Coastal Carolina. Um, you know, they're going to be our foe in, in a few weeks, but, you know, for them to come in, a school that's only been in the FBS for what a couple of seasons to all of a sudden be able to maintain a level of success that would allow them to host a college game day. Um, you know, I mean, yes, they beat us. Do I like them? Not really, but that's a huge accomplishment for not only them, but also the Sunbelt conference. Um, you know, somebody made a good point on Twitter earlier. Uh, you've got 45 miles to the East. Uh, you've got LSU or Louisiana State U, as I call them, in Alabama, and Lose, they chose state. to go to Loser State yeah, University. Well, they're, they're playing like Loser State University right now against the juggernaut in Alabama, and <laughs> college game day. College game day is going to Conway. Yeah. Well, I mean that that's that's huge. Yeah. What does that say? And and so I want to congratulate again. Congratulations to Coastal and and that and that, that achievement. Um, thank you college game day for giving our conference the attention that, you know, we've always wanted. Um, and we've always felt we deserved. We always felt that we deserved, but think about it this way, man. During this year, the Sunbelt has had three different teams that have been ranked in the top 25 at some point in the season. Well, well, hell, look look at it. Look at it from this standpoint, Jerry. We've played, this is going to be our 10th game of the season. This is going to be our seventh nationally televised game. Yeah, you can't you can't buy seven out of ten. You can't you can't buy that type of advertising. This time last year, this time last year, if you got two or more games nationally broadcasted, it was a success. Well, people know who we are now, and 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 they've identified us as guess what? And I know. There's a lot of other in-state fans from other schools that don't like to hear it, but guess what? People know us as Louisiana. Too bad. Cry. Deal with it. It is what it is. And and we're doing it, and we're marketing it at the perfect time because of the success that's following it. Um, you know, when you look at the college playoff uh, poll, and it says in big, bold letters, Louisiana in the top 25, you know, people can play dumb, especially from other schools closer to us. 
They can play dumb and say, well, who's that? People know who that is. People know who that is. Look, the war's won. It's over. You can cry about it. You can go on Twitter and send emails to the, the beat writers. You can complain. It's over. We're the Louisiana Raging Cajuns, whether you like it or not. So, you know, we're, while you complain on Twitter, we're just going to comment and laugh at you, basically. Yeah, it's 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 my comedy of the day to watch. Oh, it's hilarious! The tech, paranoia is tech hilarious. fans and LSU fans just, you know, try and find some way to hurt our feelings. Look, they especially, especially LSU, they've got a lot more problems to worry about within their own internal. Of course, uh, they do. Affairs when they're than what than what we call ourselves when their head coach. Goes to his press conference and says, "We have a leadership issue." Oh, do you? You might want to look in the mirror, there, buddy. Well, again, they've got their own problems that they have to face before they worry yeah. about us. Yeah. And that no, no doubt about it, it is what it is. You know, so uh, we're we're flying high right now, and, and let's just keep this going Friday night. Before we get into the fun conversation about Friday night's game, let's transition from the gridiron to the hardwood. Uh, you know, the basketball season got underway this past weekend as the men's team flew to Las Vegas to play, depending on what poll you look at, the number one and number two team in the country in the Baylor Bears. And, you know, no, nobody expected the Cajuns to win that game. Um, nobody expected the Cajuns to even really keep it close. Uh, you know, 112 to 81 ended up being the final score. And, I watched most of the game, and from what I saw, especially in the first half, Cajuns hung in it. You know, at, at one point, I think there was five or six minutes left in the first half, Cajuns were only down one point. Um, yeah. You know, I, I think what really helped Baylor run away from this game is the fact that as a team, they shot 60% from three. They went 50, they did. I, they went I, 15 look, of 25 think, from deep. I think this team right now, look, you've got injuries. Um it's a new roster, and you know it's gonna. It, you know we're we're gonna we have a game against UNO coming up, and and that's gonna tell the tale of what they can do against competition that's supposedly kind of on not not quite the same level, but very similar level um, on the road. So we're gonna find out. Um, I thought the game against Baylor. I think they kind of let them get away. You let Baylor get away uh, with it a little bit at the same time, there's a reason why Baylor's number one in the country too. I mean, we, we, we lost to the number one team. Um, I thought offensively, we, we were able to get some, some pretty solid baskets. I thought with the circumstances, they played pretty well for the most part offensively. I thought defensively could have done a little bit better, but, um, I mean, especially they gave up, they gave up a few fast breaks as well. Um, now granted again, you know, I, I'll be honest with you, Matt, I expected this to happen. Um, I didn't think well, we would course. be able to hang this team. Um, here, I don't. Here's, I wouldn't. Here's here's the thing. You know, when when it as a team, you shoot sixty percent from three, you're going to win every game you ever play. Right. If you shoot from sure. three, that I mean, that is that is a ridiculous percentage for team three point shooting. I mean, yeah, you, you ask too. you ask you ask any basketball coach if a team shoots over thirty percent from three, yeah. you're probably going to win the ball game. Also they shot sixty percent. Well, I also think it's it's indicative that they are. I mean, they're 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 number one in the country. Um, and there's a reason why. 
And so I also find that a team like this, you know, you really can't, I think it's one of those situations and I'm saying this as a fan, you go and you try to make it respectable um, and you try to play close. I just don't think there's enough horses in the stable right now to play it close with no, teams I mean, like that. The Cajuns, the Cajuns only dressed eight guys. Um, right. Now, as time goes on, and we talked about this in the last episode, with our level of competition, um, with the upcoming matchup against UNO, I expect to compete, and I expect to win uh, most of those games. You know, Can we do it? I, I don't know. Um, team has to stay healthy. I don't like the fact that there's still a lot of injuries. The injury plague is just lingering around. Um, you know, we found out the other day through Coach Bob Marlin's uh, press conference that, you know, two other guys that we didn't know about weren't even, weren't even dressed out. And that's on top of Gary Cadwell and, and uh, Kobe Julian. So that's, you know, that injury plague, man, it's, it's been lingering for a while now. And, and something's got to give eventually with that. Yeah, you know, like you mentioned, Jacoby Gordon – was was seen in a walking boot Saturday in Vegas, as well as freshman Michael Thomas. Uh, he's dealing with a plantar fasciitis injury, um, so they could miss a little bit of time. According to Coach Marlin, neither injury seems to be severe. Um, but you know, from I'll say this: from the eight guys that dressed out, once you add in Thomas and Gordon. And then eventually, once conference comes around, you get back Cadwell and Julian. I think Bob Marlin's got a squad. Uh, you know, Cedric, yeah. Cedric Russell led the way with 26 points the other night. Theo Akuba, in his Raging Cajuns debut, got 22-8. and eight. Um, You know, Theo reminds me a, a whole lot of, uh, of Sean Long. Yeah. A whole lot of Sean Long. 6'11", 225, you know, Banging bodies down low, had had a decent outside shot. Uh, you know he went one from one for one from the three point line. I mean can't can't ask much more of that from a six eleven guy. Uh, yeah. yeah, I mean I, th- I think this is this is a team that's going to be better than. I think this might be the best team UL's had since twenty seventeen, but you know obviously only one game in against the number one team in the country. That it that's. It still it still remains to be seen. The jury's still out on that one. Um, but like you said, you know they they traveled to New Orleans today to take on the Privateers, so that'll be a that'll be a more evenly matched ball game for um, for Bob Marlin. I think it'll be a good litmus test to see where they stand for the twenty twenty season. You know, let, let's get back to football. Um, you know, I don't want to spend too much time on it. Obviously, we have Ethan Joyce joining us in the next segment, but. Obviously, App State is is a game like we've talked about that we like to get up for. Um, last year in the conference championship game, we kind of started off sluggish. We do not want to do that again in Boone. But let let's talk about App State and their. No, I'm I'm just gonna come out right out and say it. In my opinion, I think they've struggled recently. Um, you know, I, I think their offense this year under Sean Clark has been very one-dimensional, and very conservative. Granted, obviously they've dealt with wide receiver injuries and opt-outs with Corey Sutton opting out and then Thomas Hennigan spending most of the season injured. But you, you've you've seen App State in a lot of games almost play scared. 
offensively. Um, Zach Thomas has really shown, again, I'm going to come right out and say it, and I'm going to piss some people off. He's shown that he's average, in in, in my opinion. Uh, you know, the, the decisions that he made against Coastal especially showed that when it comes to big game situations, he, he seems to struggle a little bit. Um, and he hasn't ran the ball as, as well this year as he normally does, which if you look at the big games, especially the conference championship game last year, that's kind of been his be- his bread and butter in big games. He uses his feet. And he hasn't really done that a whole lot this year. So it'll be interesting to see how this game goes Friday. Jerry, you know, let, let's just talk about how what, – what are your thoughts on, on App State's offense and what do you think this Cajun team can do? Well, I'm, I was going to bring this up to Ethan, but I, I think we're used to seeing App, especially in conference, dominate. Um, outside of, of course, Georgia Southern, where they've they've struggled over the past two seasons, but because of, I mean, their natural rival dating back before both teams joined the Sunbelt Conference at the FBS level. We're used to seeing App dominate games. Um, you know, uh, even when they play the Cajuns, they're close, but they usually come out, they've come out on top. Um, I, I think this time around, because of, because here's the thing, I've watched both of their games that they lost. I watched the Marshall game. I watched almost the entire Coastal game. And there's some, there's some holes we can poke at um, and we can prod if we do what we're supposed to do. Um, the game against Coastal, Coastal was able to hang with them and they, they forced uh, Zach Thomas to make some throws at crucial times of the game that backfired on them. One, one included a pick six to end the game and to, to, to basically seal the deal for Coastal. And they put pressure on them and they limited the run game. They made them one-dimensional. Um, that's where I feel that, and, and Marshall did the same thing. So the question is, can Patrick Tony get the defense ready to do just that on Friday night? We're going to see. Yeah, it, um, it, it, it's simple. It's simple, man. If you're Patrick Tony, you put eight to nine guys in the box and you tell Zach Thomas, look, dude, you want to win the game, you got to beat me in the air. Right. you got to find a way and to beat me in the air. The beauty of, of, of what Louisiana has done over the past few games is you've seen defenses do that to Levi. Well, Levi's taking up the challenge, and he said, all right, you want to go? You want to put eight men in the box? Bring it. And, and look at look at how much Levi's improved with his gameplay, with the fact that he's used his ability to run. He's a lot more confident and a lot more confident in making throws that otherwise he wouldn't have in the first few weeks of the season. And because of that, it's made our offense so much more dangerous. And also, too, you know, we're, we're known for our running game, but you've seen receivers, freshman receivers, guys that otherwise before the season started were on the scout team, they're making plays now. Yeah. Caleb Carter, Errol Rogers, Tyron Lacey, Dante Fleming. I mean, you know, so you don't have to depend on, you know, when you lose a Jamal Bell or you lose a Brian Smith Jr. or Peter LeBlanc gets hurt. You, you have a lot of younger receivers that have gotten experience and have stepped up, and they look confident. Yeah. And so going into a game like App State, these younger 
talented receivers, they're going to be a lot more comfortable in this environment than they would if they wouldn't have gotten any play time. I think the best thing that could have happened was that these young receivers were able to step up. And you can tell Levi has a lot more confidence in those guys to make plays. You saw it last week. You saw it against uh, South Al. So that makes Levi more confident and allows Levi to use his skill and run and make throws and make plays on top of the running back core that we already know is, is lethal when they, when they, when they start catching, when they start catching fire. So um, I also think, like you said, defensively, you put eight men in the box, you force Zach Thomas to make the play, especially in this weather. I like, I like our chances there. I, I like the fact that the Cajuns are going to put the ball in apps court at their house. Again, we play well on the road. And you know these players have been having this game. They've been having this game circled for a while. So I like the matchup going into this game. This is probably the most confident I have felt about our chance at beating App than I've ever had, even going into the home game last year. I feel really good about this matchup. See, here, here, here's my thing. You know, like, like I said, put eight to nine guys in the box. If it's up to if it if I was the defensive coordinator, I would line Percy Butler as a you know kind of rover type position linebacker safety hybrid and let him blitz 50% of the time. Um, but, you know, here's the thing. If, if App State's able to beat us in the air and that's how they win the ball game, yes, I'm going to be frustrated because we lost, but we got beat. But if we're, right. we're going to come out and play conservative defensively and, and let App just kind of do what they want to do, I'm going to be pissed for a whole other reason. If Zach Thomas, well, in, in, in the weather that they're going to have Friday night, if Zach Thomas is able to throw for 300 yards and four touchdowns and beat us, okay, fine. You know, it, it is what it is. They outplayed us. But if we don't win this game because of poor game planning and poor execution, I'm going to be mad for a whole other reason. Well, it happened against Coastal. It almost happened against Georgia State. It almost happened against Georgia Southern. You know, those first few games where we were trying to outplay ourselves. And as time went on, it looked like our schemes on both sides of the football became a lot more basic. They catered to more of our strengths. And look at, look at where it's gotten us. I mean, we're, because of it, we've won five straight games. Six straight if you include the UCA game because I think we would have pretty much easily beaten Central Arkansas. So, yeah, I, I agree with you on that. I think um, going to this game, we have momentum, but we have momentum following a certain formula. And I trust that Billy Napier and his staff are going to follow that same formula. You know, stick with what we know. Stick with the basics, like I always say. And Stick with the basics. And, and stick with the basics. Stick. This is a game where you do that because this is where – you're playing a team, they want you to, to get cute. They want you to do things that are not normal for your scheme. They want you to do that, you know. But if you stick with what you know, like Josh always says, they know who they are and they know what they can do, then I think that works to our advantage because I think overall talent-wise, talent-wise, I think we're the better team. I think we're a little bit deeper. Agreed. But you're, but you're playing against a team that's very well-disciplined. The same thing with Coastal. On paper, I think we're the better team. Yep. But they're so disciplined and so well-structured and so well-managed from a coaching standpoint. For sure. 
that they have success. So add both of those together with our roster and our staff, and there's no reason why they shouldn't be able to be effective on Friday night against this app team, regardless of what they've done to us in the past. Yeah, no, I I totally agree with you. Before we head to our first break and then bring in Ethan Joyce, give you some some quick little betting information. App State, like I said, currently listed as a a two-and-a-half-point favorite. The over-under currently at 52 for this ballgame on ESPN Friday night. Um, and you know, before, before we go to break, we have a Cajuns in the pros segment. Uh, we want to shout out Mike Jaquette the third for making the Eagles active roster and actually, you know, seeing some significant playing time the last couple of weeks. Uh, you know, it was also revealed yesterday. Kevin Dotson has been activated off the COVID-19 list for the Pittsburgh Steelers. So he's healthy and ready to go again. And also Raymond Calais still kicking it with the Rams. Um, so, you know, a lot of Cajuns in the pros right now. Robert Hunt as well in Miami. So, and all four of these guys coming from last year's squad. So a lot to be proud of for the Cajuns right now in the NFL. Um, I mean, I mean, what do you, what do you say? Well, it's, it's uh, I mean, you, I mean, you've got, I mean, we lost two offensive linemen last year who were playing in the pros. Right now they're starting. You've got a cornerback that has pretty much made a name for himself in Detroit with Tracy Walker. Uh, Michael Jacquet grinded his way through the practice squad into a team that has now trusted him enough to be one of the 50, what is it, 53 guys yep. on the roster. And he's actually made plays in games. You've got Raymond Colley returning kicks for the Los Angeles Rams. Um, what I mean, what? What more could you ask for as yeah. far as the success these players have had? You've got you've got Juice Hamilton that is still same, on an active roster. Squad, now, yeah. granted, yeah, the practice squad. He's not. I mean, he's not dressing out, but he's on a roster. Yeah. You know, he's, he's been able to he's maintain on the same practice squad, which is great. So, yeah, I mean, to see these players uh, play at the next level, compete at the next level. I mean, I mean, how about Kevin Dotson, man, playing on? I mean, you you got a Steelers team right now that is just catching fire. Yeah, they're and. They also play. He's starting too. Yeah, yeah, he's starting, and so that's just that's unbelievable. And, and I'm just so proud of these guys. Um, and they represent the culture well, and they've carried it into into the pros. And uh, couldn't be happy for couldn't be happier for, for all of them. They they're just they, they've done a fantastic job, and they've uh, they've they've carried our they've, they've carried our brand in a very in a very proud way. Yeah, no question about it. We'll take a break right here, and when we come back, Ethan Joyce of the Winston-Salem Journal will join us for Behind Enemy Lines, and we will talk about this big matchup between the Mountaineers and the Cajuns. Stay tuned right here on Region Review. Chris Russo of Russo Exploration encourages you to donate to the Ranging Cajun Athletic Foundation. The RCAF, the official fundraising arm of Louisiana Athletics, supports over 400 student-athletes across 16 NCAA sports. You can invest in the RCAF today for as little as $5 a month. Just go to myrcaf.org to get started or call 337-851-RCAF. As always, donations to the RCAF are tax-deductible. Your investment today will enrich the lives of of every athlete that puts on the vermilion and white. Go Cajuns! Schilling Distributing Company, Acadiana's top alcohol distributor for over 70 years, has been a proud supporter of Louisiana athletics for many of those years. 
Now, they've kindly decided to become the exclusive distributing sponsor of the Rage and Review podcast. This is just another chapter in Schilling Distributing's rich history of giving back to the Lafayette community. Starting as an Anheuser-Busch exclusive distributor, they're now expanded to include local brews for your sipping pleasure. Schilling services over 1,500 local businesses throughout the Acadiana area, employing 160 Ragin' Cajun residents, and they boast over 1,400 years of combined experience. Corporately headquartered right here in Lafayette at 2901 Moss Street, Schilling Distributing encourages Cajun Nation to enjoy their beverages responsibly and reminds you to download the Liquid Finder app today. Award Master, located at 3219 Johnston Street, is the only award shop licensed by Louisiana Athletics. In business in Lafayette for over 45 years, Award Master creates one-of-a-kind trophies, medals, and awards using a wide variety of materials, including resin, glass, wood, acrylic, and more. Owners Adam and Sarah Lopez are proud UL alumni, as well as Cajun Cooking Club members. Adam and Sarah can also help with your business promotional items. Rager Review you trust award masters for all of their needs and you will too award masters is so much more than just an award shop give award masters a call today 337-984-1414 or go to awardmaster.com award master the recognition and personalization experts Rocking and rolling this morning on Raging Review. Welcome back, Matt Miguez here. And we are joined remotely on the phone by our co-host, as always, Jerry Abair. And we will be joined by App State beat writer as well as Wake Forest basketball beat writer for the Winston-Salem Journal, Mr. Ethan Joyce. Ethan Joyce, excuse me. Ethan, thank you so much for joining us. How are you doing this morning, man? I'm good, guys. Hello from North Carolina. Yeah, man. You know, hello from a hello from a snowy North Carolina. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, no doubt. <laughs> yeah, the, the the rock, as it is called, looked absolutely gorgeous yesterday, blanketed in blanketed in snow for sure. You know, Ethan. Before before we dive into the conversation of the the UL App State game on Friday night, you know, give our listeners a little bit of background on yourself. You know how how you got in the position that you're in now, covering the Mountaineers and the Demon Deacons. Yeah, man, I um, I took over the the App State beat in um, September of 2017. That was my that was my first season. I've done three full seasons, and I hopped in on that one a few games in. The first game that I got on the seat was App State hosting Wake Forest, which for the Winston Salem Journal is like the Super Bowl. You know, like it doesn't get much bigger than that for us. Um, you know, so it's it's been a fun ride. To, to, to be like the the outside observer on this on this team and this program because they've they've definitely reached a lot of a lot of really neat heights. Um, you know, I've seen Scott Satterfield, seen Eli Drinkwitz, and now I've seen Sean Clark, and they've managed to keep things on a pretty consistent winning pattern, regardless. Um, yeah, so you know, I've, I've been doing this four years. Kind of took over the the Deacons basketball beat. 
um, before this season just because of layoffs and the media business is so brutal right now. But you know, it's been fun so far. Yeah, no, no question about it. The uh, in- interesting, interesting times in sports media right now for sure. You know, well, let, let's begin the conversation with a general recap of of App State's season so far this year. You guys come in at seven and two on the year. Uh, you open the season with a win over Charlotte before falling to a good Marshall team, and you took care of business against Campbell. And then you opened conference and kind of went on a little bit of a winning streak there. You won your first four conference games against Arkansas State, UL Monroe, Texas State, and Georgia State before falling to the eventual Sunbelt East champion in Coastal Carolina and then took care of business against Troy this past weekend. Now we look forward to the game Friday night against Louisiana. If you can recap App State's season briefly in your opinion, how how would you say that this season has gone? Yeah, I think by and large, it's been a good season. I'd say it's been a great season for a first-year coach in the middle of a national pandemic. Um, but I think one thing that is kind of a, a, a very thin line for the App State fan base is you know, expectation um, and you know, results sometimes. You know, I think you've seen App lose two games, which you know, losing two games in a season, you know, that's kind of a bigger amount that I haven't seen in the last few years. I guess in 2017, they lost four. And that was, you know, for my first season, that was a wild one because, you know, they had, they had had back-to-back double-digit win seasons at that point, um, kind of struggled that season and, and kind of figured it out there in the end. You know, this team's a good team. Uh, they've, they've really kind of – they've kind of had to build themselves up, especially in the passing game. That's really where the issues have been. Um, as far as kind of keeping the offense as balanced as I think they would like. You know, App State's always been built on the run game, and Sean Clark has preached that from the moment he took over the head coaching role. Um, but, you know, you, you had a team where, you know, Corey Sutton, a very lethal downfield weapon, opted out. Um, you know, you've had a couple of injuries to guys on the team. Thomas Hennigan is just kind of now getting back, and, I was talking to him earlier this week. He hasn't been 100%. He's not even 100% yet, but he's clo- as close to 100% as he's been this, this last little bit. Um, so, you know, the, the Troy game was a welcome sight for, for that team, for sure, just because it kind of showed, like, all right, this is what this offense looks like when things are clicking together. Um, you know, so they, they were dealing with trying to figure out that part of their team, and then they also dealt with, a, you know, almost a month layoff because of a COVID outbreak. Um, which, you know, it seems like every program's dealt with that in one, one way or the other this year. Um, so, you know, it's had, it, it's had its ups and downs. The, the two losses have come to two top 25 teams. And I think, I think if, if you're an App State fan, you're probably like, you're upset about that, but you can understand, like, hey, that they were right there in both of those games. Um, but it's been a good year so far, and it looks like they're maybe trying to, like, kind of figure it out in the passing game. Yeah, you know, we, you were talking about the, the pandemic. You know, this game was supposed to be played in October. And, you know, now here we are December 2nd previewing previewing this contest because of of the pandemic that we're currently in. So, yeah, it, it's definitely mm-hmm. it's definitely hit everybody pretty hard. Um, you know, you, you mentioned 7-2 and two being a great year for a first-year head coach. What are, your, what are your thoughts on Sean Clark in his first year, uh, you know, 
stepping in as the interim in the bowl game last year for Eli Drinkwitz and then getting the job this year. How do you, how do you rate his performance in year one? And maybe if you have some expectations for, you know, year two and year three. Yeah. You know, I think, I, again, I think he's just done a really good job. Um, you know, I think some of the, I think, I think it's hard when any first year coach comes into a program with such high expectations. Um, and so, you know, if there's maybe a little more con- you know, consistency in the coaching, uh, you know, not being so caught up in the coaching carousel like App State was the last couple of years, you know, who's to say how different it is if, if um, you know, the same guy is coaching the program, you know, three years in a row as opposed to, you know, one coach this year, one coach this year, and then a new coach this year too. I, again, I think, I think Sean is, is like by and large crushed it, um, you know, the – I think the the thing that they really kind of hung on him for a bit was just you know that offensive struggle that I was talking about that you saw in the Marshall game for probably the first time. Um, you know, you saw it, you saw it against Coastal a little bit. You saw it against Georgia State. Um, you know, where App State's very devoted to the run, and you know they really were kind of struggling to find that balance and find that relief in the passing game to keep defenses honest. Um, so I, I really think that they've kind of weathered that storm. And if, if the game against Troy is any indication, it's just a shame that they couldn't figure it out a little bit sooner um, for a matchup, you know, like the Marshall game or the, or the Coastal game. The, you know, the Marshall game, not necessarily the fairest, the fairest to point at because it feels like it was a year ago. Um, and, you know, it was the I, – I think it was the second game of the season. God, I can't even remember. It's just such a weird schedule. <laughs> but um, – but, you know, I think they're really starting to figure out. I think he's, he's done a really, really good job so far. So my next question is uh, Zach Thomas, um, preseason, pretty much preseason Sunbelt player of the year. Um, a lot of expectations for him coming in as a senior. Um, you know, he came in replacing um, Mike Lamb, who also pretty much made a name for himself with the transition of app moving into uh, FBS and was able to sustain success. And then Zach Thomas pretty much has come in and picked up from where Mike Lamb left off. But, you know, we've had, we've had debates about this with App fans. Um, you know, he, Zach is a, is a great field general. Uh, we feel that the offense revolves around him, but then there's sometimes he might show some weaknesses like we saw it against Coastal where he threw a few interceptions. He forced some throws. Um, and we know that uh, whenever we, we, <laughs> We gave our opinion last season. Some of the uh, app fans got very defensive on social media. And it wasn't anything like mean. It was just, uh, we were like, well, he's got some weaknesses. And, of course, some fans are like, oh, no, but he's beating you and blah, blah, blah. And it, it, it added for a little fun uh, back and forth about him. But, you know, seeing the Coastal game, I know there were a lot of fans that weren't too happy with his performance. But overall, he's like, what, 40 and 5 as a starting quarterback or something like that. It's a ridiculous success rate that he has since he's been the starter at app. But um, I, I guess my question is, what is uh, the opinion about Zach as far as his, 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 his quality of play? Um, is, he as, is he as good as some of the fans want to believe he is? Uh, and, and personally, from a personal standpoint, what are your thoughts on Zach Thomas and, and what he's done to lead uh, that App State offense? Well, my thing, uh, you know, I think Zach is facing this a little bit now. And, and you know, I think, um, you know, you mentioned the guy that, preceded him 
Taylor Lamb. He was a guy too that Taylor Lamb. I'm sorry, I said Mike Lamb. I don't know Taylor Lamb. Yeah. Oh yeah, no worries. Um, yeah, he uh, yeah he was a guy too that I think faced a good bit of criticism in the in the last year of his career. Um, you know, just the 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 thing about Taylor Lamb that people always got upset with was you know, well he just doesn't have like necessarily the deep ball arm strength. Um, but Taylor was a good football player. And honestly, like, I don't know if you could have asked for a more perfect quarterback to show up at App State in the time period where he showed up at App State. Um, because, you know, without him, this transition that they've made, and the heights that they reach isn't really possible, in my opinion. Um, you know, Zach is, Zach's a phenomenal quarterback, you know, and I'm always, I always bristle if anyone tries to, call him sneaky athletic because that's like a common white quarterback trope but like Zach Thomas is incredibly athletic there's not a you know there aren't many quarterbacks that have his ability to turn a corner and and take off on people like I've seen him do it against Arkansas State I've seen him do it against Louisiana um you know he has always had that ability to take off and it's made this offense just incredibly good um you know Taylor had that ability but not to the ability of Zach. The dual threat that Zach brings is a little bit of a different level, level, and especially you know when you're talking about the arm strength, Zach's got one of the strongest arms I've ever seen. Now, you know this year's been interesting, and you know it's some of the criticism has been warranted because, and, and he was the first to admit it after we got to talk to him. Um, like I guess we didn't talk to him the week of the Coastal game, but the you know the next time we got to speak to him, he was like, you know. I made some bad decisions. I made, I tried to make things happen when they weren't there. Um, you know, I took risks and it, and it, and it kind of blew up. And I, I think part of that is, is, you know, kind of having a look at the big picture that you're talking about a guy who has continuously won under three different play callers the last three years, Scott Satterfield, Eli Drinkwitz, and now Tony Peterson. Um, a guy that's in an offense that has been somewhat limited by the, the injuries to the wide receiver group. Um, and if anybody is paying attention with a, a watchful eye, you can see the difference just in the talent level when some of those guys weren't able to play as much as they could because they're putting in younger guys who have talent. They just don't have that experience yet. You know, a Thomas Hennigan cannot be replaced, you know, wh- whether he's, you know, half, half playing because he's still injured or he's, you know, he's full on getting all the snaps. You know, that's a, when a guy like that is hurt, no matter whether he's pushing through or not, it's tough to replicate what he brings to a football team completely healthy. Um, so I think it's been equal mix of that. I think I think there are instances where you need to see Zach throw the ball away or something like that. But I also try to understand the fact that in a big game like the Coastal game, I can understand trying to make things happen. But there's also, you know, you run a risk when you try to make a make a, a play like that. You know, it's that thin margin, and turns out in those game, that game against Coastal, it really didn't go his way a lot. Yeah, um, and that's I kind of wanted to add on to that because, you know, one thing that we as Cajun fans have always respected App for offensively was the fact, and, and even one of our, our contributors, he always says it, you know, App knows their identity, they know who they are, and they know what they can do. And uh, the offensive system that's been run at App has been on since what? I want to say since Scott Satterfield was there running sort of that pistol offense where you have a bunch of read options, you throw every now and then, um, but it's effective. It's an effective offense with a system that they recruit around. You know, I think a, mm-hmm. a big thing is that there's a lot of um, 
a lot of times, uh, you know, people kind of underestimate the talent on apps team because sometimes their recruiting rankings aren't as high as their success. Right. Um, you know, Billy Napier has that here at Louisiana where he's recruited decent enough and we've actually gotten a lot better caliber players over the past few seasons, but he wants players that fits the system rather than a, getting a five-star who doesn't know where he's at. We're actually going through the same problem to the school to the east of us right now, right? It's one thing to have talent, but if you can't do anything with that talent, um, that's, that's a different story. And I think, uh, so, so I guess my question is for apps, the way they run their systems, um, as far as quarterback play goes, even after Zach Thomas is long gone, um, do you really, do you really need a quarterback that has all of this crazy talent or just a quarterback that can fit in that app system that they've been so effectively successful with over the past, uh, uh, you know, decades or so? Yeah. Yeah. I think, um, you know, man, they've had such a good run of quarterbacks here the last little bit. You know, you can go all the way back to, um, you know, the mid-2000s where they had Richie Williams, they had Armani Edwards. Armani Edwards, I remember him. You know, they had, they. I mean, like, they've really, especially in this really, especially the 2000s, you know, like, they, there's really been the QB that becomes the multi-year starter that's been a miss or hasn't been like super quality like they've had a couple of guys that have been talented that maybe got got like you know pretty pretty big injuries and things like that but like the quarterback tradition of the app has been pretty good and so you know I I, I get the I get what you're asking because it's a really interesting point you know you do want to find guys that fit the system um, but you know it's like if you find that guy that fits the system and he just happens to be out, outlandishly talented you'll take that 10 out of 10 times right but sure, you know you know like I think you know, Taylor Lamb was a talented guy. Um, he didn't have the arm strength um, and probably wasn't as fast as that, but he had that dual threat ability. T- Taylor always got called a sneaky athletic guy, <laughs> which like I'm sure kind of drove him a little crazy because I always thought, I mean, like you know, Taylor would, would, you know, be playing along and all at once run for 20 yards. And it's like, Oh, okay. You know, that's, I think some people were surprised by that when they would see it happen. But when you saw him week to week, he was a guy that can make things happen, but Zach has been a guy that, you know, I don't know if you could have picked a better guy to take the take the baton from Taylor Lamb, um, because he does a lot of things that Taylor did well, and he he, he he's like really kind of grown into this position, and I think that this has been the challenge for him this year is like making sure the the decision making was sound, and you know, like I said, he's. I think I think part of it is trying to take shots and make things happen when you know that your offense isn't running as smooth as it needs to be. Um, and he's learned a lot this year. Like watching him develop over time has been a really cool thing to see from the time he started at Penn State in 2018 to to right now. Yeah. Yeah, you know, Ethan. One one thing that that I kind of want to get into. You, you you spoke about the the wide receiver issues. Um, from from an outsider, you know, it, it kind of seems like App State's offense has gotten pretty one dimensional this year. With you know, very, they've always been more focused on the running game, but I think now more than ever, they they've they've done more with the running game zone read kind of kind of system. The reason the the question I want to ask is, is that one dimensional play because of wide receiver injuries and opt out? Or is that Sean Clark's playing style that he's trying to implement into this App State offense? You know, I think 
I think it's a it's a little bit of a mix of both. I do think that that things got a little more streamlined, like painfully so, when you were dealing with some guys that just weren't producing as much. Um, you know, you really saw it. I mean, like I said, you saw it in Marshall where, you know, App made it pretty clear that they were going to try to run the ball. And Marshall just said, all right, well, we're just going to put as, as many guys in the box that we feel comfortable with, and we're going to challenge you to throw. And they won that game because of that. Um, you know, the same thing with, with Coastal in a way. They, you know, they, they really challenged App to try to go to the air more. And Coastal's been one of those teams, kind of like Louisiana has this year in the Sun Belt, that's capitalized, you know, in the, with their, their passing defense. Um, you know, being able to force turnovers and, and kind of change the momentum of a game with plays like that. Um, you know, you even saw it against Georgia State, and part of that, too, I think you can chalk up to, um, you know, I think Sean Elliott, an App State grad, gets what App State wants to do, and so he's going to he's gonna bring a challenge, um, especially in a year where he can kind of, you know, actually expose something um in this in this offense kind of like they did they really made it hard on app state in, in that game a couple of weeks ago um you know zach was knocked out of that game with a, a hard hit it ended up not being nearly as serious as it looked um but just one of those one of those instances where somebody has your number um i do think that you're going to see a lot different of an offense when it comes to app state now as they've gotten a little bit healthier um, the, the trick will just be staying healthy um, so it doesn't run into that one-dimensional component again because, you know, Marshall was probably where you saw it in its, in its most painful scenario where it just really, really could not get anything going against what became a very good Marshall team. But at the time, you know, Ab goes into these expect in, in with the expectations to win a game like so many other football programs do. But as one of those teams that was going to be in the mix, at least in that early conversation for, for a group of five top dogs, um, you know, that was a, that was a tough one to take in West Virginia. Yeah. No, so, no good, Jerry. I was going to say, well, um, I was going to ask uh, kind of a two part question, um, Ethan, uh, you, you mentioned the run game of app um, this season. It's like, like we had just talked about the receiving core has had, um, you know, we've, we've, they've kind of forced a little more passing every now and then, but still one thing that app has had that's been very effective is indeed the run game, um, whether it's the dual threat ability of Zach Thomas. But it looks like they've been sharing the love uh, with the ball when it comes to ball carrying. Uh, it looks like he's got uh, some a few key running backs that have been able to be very effective this season. Uh, you've got uh, Cameron Peoples, you've got Datrick, Datrick Harrington, uh, both of which have gotten about an equal amount of carries. Both of them mm-hmm. have been very effective. They've each gotten a little over 600 yards apiece rushing the ball. Uh, Nate Noel has gotten a few carries. And, of course, like I said, Zach Thomas has got his dual threat ability as well. Um, talk a little bit about the run game. Uh, what I mean, as far as the not only the run game, but Harrington and Peoples both getting about the same amount of carries, who who brings more to the table there? Deshaun, I mean, is um, – is Sean Clark trying to run more, uh, more of an equal, equal footing for each running back? What, what is, what is the run game like? And, and as far as these two guys, who is more likely to be more of a threat? What can the Cajuns look for on Friday night with this run game, uh, especially, especially with the possible chance of snow? <laughs> yeah. Uh, what's there? What, what, what do the Cajuns have to key in on? And who they have to key in on against this rushing attack? 
Well, so it's, it's been interesting because Sean came in with the expectation to have this three-headed attack, right? It was going to be Daytrick, it was going to be Cam, and it was going to be Marcus Williams Jr. Um, yeah. What became really clear early was that Daytrick, uh, like Daytrick kind of took over that top dog, um, that top dog spot. And it was reflected in the amount of carries because their carries have equaled out now. Um, and that's mainly because Daytrick's been hurt and hasn't played. I don't know how many games it's been now, but I, I mean, like we, we've been told that, you know, the media has been told that it's going to, like, he's going to be out for an extended period of time. I don't know when he comes back. Um, but so those carries have kind of equaled out now because Cam has gotten the lion's share of carries from Daytrick, um, not being on the field as much, but Daytrick, it's, it's really unfortunate that Daytrick run into an injury this season because he's been a guy that's kind of gone through so much in his career, like was forced to play as a true freshman in 2017, um, you know, had some fumble issues to start, but really like really came on strong at the end of that year. And then the spring of 2018, he carries ACL. He gets back to playing um, those last few games and, pre- and of that season, preserved his red shirt. Um, gets hurt again in 2019 and this year like he really just looked like a different running back um, so it's unfortunate that he's run into this again but you know Cam Peoples is not a bad guy um, to turn to and say all right you're going to get all the carries now because he's a big guy he's a he's very fast very quick um, just like a really quality runner um, because I think you'll watch him run and, and think like He's not running terribly fast, but his legs are just so long. He covers so much ground so quickly. Like, that's how his speed, that's what his speed is. Um, you know, Nate Noel has been a guy that's emerged quite a bit for App as this change of pace running back and a guy that I think in, in, as his career goes on, he's a true freshman right now, but as his career goes on, he, he could be one of those guys that becomes a, a threat out of the backfield to catch some passes. Um, you know, just a small guy that they picked up late in the signing class last year. And because of injuries, he, and, you know, with the, the COVID scenario in the beginning of the year, he got some more carries and showed up, showed up enough for that offense to where they can't really stop giving the ball to him now. Um, the, him and Cam are a really neat combo to watch because they do things very different. Um, Nate, Nate's a strong little guy, but his, his speed is like the, the, the big bag breaker when it comes to his game. Um, you know, really kind of like some of those, some of those running back combos that I've seen Louisiana have maybe like at the start of my tenure, um, you know, where they have like a multiple options and they all have these different wrinkles to the way they run. Um, I think you're seeing that a little bit now with this, this running back group that App has now. Yeah, man. No, <clears throat> excuse me. No question about that. Uh, you know, you, you definitely have, like you said, three or four guys that can really make a difference in the running game, especially when Harrington was healthy. You know, mm-hmm. one 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 thing we talked about was, you know, the defense that App State's had over over the years. You guys, you guys have really prided yourselves on defense and. It's the same thing again in 2020, no question. One of the guys that kind of sticks out to me, and he has for a couple of years now, is defensive end Demetrius Taylor and his ability to just take a football game over. Um, you know, you saw it last year when you guys beat North Carolina. You saw it last year when he came to Louisiana. 
You've seen it time and time again this year as well. Talk about him and his ability to really change a game on defense and how much more work an offense has to put in to prepare for a guy like that. Yeah, man. Demetrius is a is a diesel in- engine. He just like he he gets started up and then he just like steadily keeps on rolling and rolling. Um, you know, he especially in a season, man. I feel like the later the season gets, the more impactful he he starts becoming. Um, you know, he's he's a tough guy. He's very fast. I think people underestimate the speed he has sometimes, uh, at least in that in the trench there. Um, but you know, he opens up a lot of stuff for some of those guys and, and you know, the, the way they play their defense, you know, it's a, it's a three, four defense. Um, and it's a, it's a three, four defense that kind of came out of the SoCon Wofford era. Um, and it's really just become this calling card for App State, especially in this transition, starting with Nate Woody as defensive coordinator, who's now at Army and, you know, kind of going all the way through until now. Um, you know, when Ted Roof came in last year, they changed things a little bit, but it was still the same three. I, I mean, they were still doing a lot of the same three, four stuff. And, like, part of that's because, you know, they just have the guys here. You know, you were mentioning it earlier, the, the understanding the talent and the people that you're evaluating as recruits, but also how they fit. Um, that's what's been one of the most impressive things. And, you know, they're going to continue to do it, I think, as stuff goes on where, they just found the guys that are ready to play when it's, when when their name is called. You know, Demetrius is is a perfect example of that, where he steps into a starting role last year and really just kind of starts tearing through people from then on out. Um, there's been a really really good thing for them, especially like on the pat. I mean, you know, when as a defense, when you can get as little people to cause pressure in the pocket as possible it sets you up just well everywhere else. And I think that's what App State is really good at is because of guys like Demetrius who can just push through his blocker and really disrupt a pocket and get everything else set up for success. All right. Here's the question that all Cajun fans would like to know, Ethan. What are you on the spot for a second, my friend? Um, so over the past eight meetings, uh, it's safe to say that we're over, over eight. Since 2014, since the first meeting, seems like uh, App has gotten the better of us. And um, I guess for, for Cajun fans, with the success they've had, we feel that this year is the year where they can finally get over that hump. Um, and my question is, uh, what's been the key to App's success with this meeting, uh, with this series? And in your opinion, is this the year that Louisiana can finally get over that winless streak and get a win in Boone on Friday night? You know, I think, and, and you know, I'd love to hear what y'all's thoughts are, are on it too, but I feel like App's always done a pretty good job in most of these matchups as far as um, hitting Louisiana in the mouth early. Um, I don't know if that's by design on their part, but it always just seems like um, they get up for this game quite a bit. And, you know, it helps when you're playing for Sunbelt title games in, in a couple of those meetings these last two seasons. Um, but it's always seemed like, you know, starting with that and even through drink, um, through drink and I guess we'll see what happens when, when Sean's in control here on this one. But it seemed like that would always find a way to 
get some points up and then just kind of grind it down to the rest of the game. Um, you know, the, the game in Louisiana last year was phenomenal. I know it was low scoring, but that was a crazy game. Um, so I always just feel, I've always felt like F has just done a really good job of getting some of those, like some of those first scoring chances or stringing, stringing together a lot of scoring chances there in that first half and really kind of grinding things down to a hold as best they could for the rest of the game. Um, you know, this year, this year's interesting, man. And, and, Obviously, you've got the whole weirdness of a pandemic and a game you're talking about should have been that should have been played two months ago. Um, I'm interested to see what happens here because I think Louisiana's done a really good job all year. Um, I, you know, I haven't got to I haven't got to watch a ton of Louisiana games. It seems like there may be there may be that opening where. If App State gives itself enough chances in the passing game, that the run game can become a uh, just like a body blow after body blow situation. Um, but these are two really good teams, and I think it's I think it's been really cool that Louisiana has kind of gotten the attention that it's gotten this this last year, especially. Uh, I know I was telling you guys before we started, but I think it's been pretty criminal that Louisiana hasn't been in the college football playoffs yet before this week when you're talking about a team who's beat the number nine team in the nation as far as those rankings go and who lost to the number 14 team by a, a last-second field goal. I don't know how much better you can do than that. Um, so I'm, I'm really excited to see Louisiana play. I'm excited to see this game. I'm pretty hopeful that there's going to be snow because I think that's fun to watch, and I'll be in a press box and trying to stay as warm as possible. Um, but I'm looking forward to it. I really am. Yeah, you know. Yeah. Um, go ahead, Matt. What's your thoughts on it? You know, th- this game's always been the one that everybody kind of circles on the calendar because, and especially, you know, the last three years, in my opinion, because I feel like when Billy Napier came in in 2018 was when we finally had the chance to kind of right the ship in mm-hmm. in this in this matchup. You know, the the both games in 2018 were were fairly close. Um, I don't remember how the weeknight matchup went, but I know the championship game was a 10-point game. Um, mm-hmm. And then, you know, last year, I mean, hell, until that 90-something-yard drive that ended in a Zach Thomas touchdown run to put you guys up, um, you guys ended up going up, I think it was 10 that y'all ended up going yeah, up with that 17. touchdown. It, it was a three-point ball game. Yeah. All, all, the, all night. And then, you know, the championship mm-hmm. game – Last year, we came out as about as flat and sluggish as you could. Like you said, App State punched us in the mouth. We find ourselves down 28 at one point, we, and our offense did a great job of fighting back late in the game, but we ended up running out of time. Um, so, you know, I, th- I think it's one of those situations where we have finally fielded teams that are good enough to get over that hump, and if I, if I can be a little bit biased, I think this team is better than both 2018 and 2019. Yeah, um, I'll say this. I, I guess for us, you know, look, the first four matchups with App, um, they've all were blowouts, and I think that was more or less coaching and preparation. Um, mm-hmm. You know, Scott Satterfield just, I mean, look, we like, we love Coach Hud. You know, the honeymoon was great the first four seasons. But, you know, I think 
as time went on, then honeymoon started to fade away. Um, and you know, that, you know, Mark Hudson's last game as head coach was an app when was it like the eight string quarterback scored the touchdown and basically the entire team for app yeah. got a penalty. And it's like, we just let, did we just let, like, that's when we knew we were like, okay, this is the end of the Hudson era. When you let the rude, no offense, but you let the Rudy of the team score a touchdown and the entire bench is, you know, <laughs> storming the field. That's when we knew we were like, okay, this is the end. And so we, we had to start from scratch with, with Billy Napier, but he did it in a year. And so you see, you've seen the matchups become a lot more um, competitive. Um, I truly believe the game in Lafayette, uh, that was a game where most of the fans felt that, you know, Billy sort of outcoached himself, where he tried to get a little too cute on the simple things. And, and it's like, I'll go back to what I said early on with App. App knows who they are and they know what they do. They don't get cute. They don't get fancy. They run a very simple uh, scheme on each side of the ball, and it works. And they and they and they they coach their players up to be able to fit in that scheme, and it's successful. And uh, there have been a few times, you know, since Billy's here, that's been kind of the one criticism of Billy is that sometimes he'll he'll call some things, he'll try to call some trickery at times when it's not necessary. And against a team like App, in order for us to win, we we really can't do that. We have to stick with what we know. Um, that game last year against Afghet in Lafayette, I felt that we lost that game because of the fact that we tried getting cute. I also think that App took advantage of that because they're so well disciplined. Um, the championship game, like Matt said, I thought that game got out of hand early on. App's at mm-hmm. home, they got momentum, they go off. We start off extremely flat with a bunch of three and outs to start the game, and App took advantage of it. And basically, we played catch up for the rest of the game. Um, I think this year, uh, you talk about snow, it's going to be interesting to see the matchup with, with the weather. Um, mm-hmm. You know, for the first time in a long time, um, our offense is clicking right now. Uh, now, obviously, UL Monroe's not the best team. Actually, they're one of the worst teams. But, you know, this same UL Monroe team, we beat the previous two years because they missed two straight field goals in two straight years. Yeah. This time around, this if we don't take out the first string in the – in the third quarter, this offense could have hung 100 on them. Um, so you're starting to see our offense click at the right time. I think defense is, is making key plays when they have to. The secondary has been amazing against the pass. We're doing a really good job. We've, we've done a fantastic job um, stabilizing or, or, or stopping the run game. I'm really looking forward to this matchup because I'll repeat what Matt said. I think this team clicking right now has been a lot better than the past the teams that we've seen in the past two seasons. Um, I think the matchup is, all, to me, I'm looking forward to the matchup against App's offense, what our defense can do against App's offense. Can we contain Zach Thomas's running ability? Can we stop their rushing attack? Can we, can we put pressure on Zach Thomas? Um, offensively, it's going to be interesting because I'm not sure how we'll be able to throw the ball in the snow, but I know we have a decent run game to maintain ourselves. So, uh, to answer, to answer um, the, um, my, our own question, I do think this is a year we can win, but I think weather plays a huge role in that. And then, you know, I know, like, whether it's you or App living in that area, being more used to snow than us, uh, that does definitely work more, you know, advantageous to the Mountaineers than it does us. You know, like, like I've told you before, before we, 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 you know, off the record, we don't, we, we don't know what snow looks like down here. So it's yeah, kind of right. interesting. It's going to be interesting to see what what we can do in those in those uh, conditions. 
Well, you know, to, to kind of go off that point too, you know, App State had a lot of bad weather games last year that, uh, I mean, like I swear, man, I feel like only one of their home games last year didn't include rain and or snow. Uh, you know, the Georgia Southern game, that night game last year was, you know, pretty terrible uh, for the offense because of the terrible wind and terrible snow that the team was dealing with. Um, you know, it's funny to hear you say some of the things about uh, Billy because they were, you know, in, in that, in the, the Louisiana games last year specifically, um, I always, I thought, I thought drink sometimes was very much a like risk management guy um and so when he found his spot where he thought he could be successful he would kind of tighten up quite a bit um as far as his play calling goes you know like i i do think like the the sunbelt title game you know part of the part of the the thing that let louisiana kind of get that that sliver of hope again was i felt like they kind of took off a little bit um you know kind of took some of that pressure off and maybe they were bringing at the start um you know, because it, and so that's that was one of the things for me that I was always interested with Drink because I thought Drink was a really good play caller and a really good coach, but sometimes I felt like he tightened up really quickly, um, and sometimes that helped and sometimes that hurt. Um, you know that that Louisiana game in in Louisiana was kind of an example where that was two two really good teams fighting each other, and then all at once. Um, App tries to run this weird little Ruski play that just like gets completely throttled, like in the backfield. And it was one of those things where that, that's what made me think of it. You, you know, you saying not, not getting too cute and doing what you do well. That was one of those plays. I was in that press box watching that game and I was like, who was that? <laughs> where, where did that come from? Um, well, I'll just, I'll just give you some examples of, and look, I, I'm, I'm saying this as a huge Billy Napier fan. We, we love Billy down here. I mean, we're all sweating it right now because we know he's a candidate for the South Carolina job. We're freaking out, you know, hoping, getting on our knees and praying that he stays. But we know the circumstances, kind of like with what App's going through with both Satterfield and Drink. Um, you know, when you show success, bigger schools are going to come, they're going to come hunting. So, you know, we're going through that ourselves right now with Billy. But, you know, there was a game last year in the Superdome. Uh, we opened up against Mississippi State. And we don't turn the ball over five times. We win that game. Um, and so early in the game, it's fourth and one. Now, you know our rushing attack. I mean, one yard. You got two. You got one running back that's playing for the Los Angeles Rams right now. You've got two of them who are still here who are most likely going to find themselves on an NFL roster. And on fourth and one, in the, right around the red zone, we call some fancy, uh, some fancy trickery play and get stuffed in the backfield. You know, um, the game against App the first time. Uh, you know, the week before we go to Georgia Southern at their house and just manhandle them with our rushing attack in the second half to put the game away. First drive, we call three straight passing plays. You know, mm-hmm. um, and then another time in the third quarter, we're moving the ball on App. We're starting to get momentum. Turn one, we run a re- reverse and it gets stuffed in the backfield. You know, things like that, kind of like what you talk about with Drinkwitz, it's the same thing. We're like, man, you know, against good teams, you, you, you really, you shouldn't do that, you know? Um, and so it's, it's a, it, it, you know, a lot of our fans after that first matchup, we look and we're like, you know what? Like Matt said, it was a three-point game until that last drive. But we all, I mean, I, I sat in my seat for a good five to ten minutes after the game ended. I didn't want to go home because I was so frustrated 
at the fact that that game could have been won, and to, to us, it should have been won. Um, so, yeah, I, I definitely understand the frustrations there, and uh, I don't know. I mean, I guess, like I said, with the weather conditions, it's going to be interesting to see uh, what type of play calling. I would think it'd be a lot more on the fundamental basic side rather than trying to get cute, especially when you're in the snow, but We'll see Friday night, man. It'll be interesting. You see, while, while we're while we're on the subject of weather, I went ahead and pulled up the handy dandy Weather Channel app and put in Boone, North Carolina, and I'm looking at the weather Friday night, 8 p.m. You're looking at about 43 degrees, not quite cold enough for snow. Um, precipitation somewhere in the 60 percent range. A little windy. Oh, so, oh I mean, man, that's 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 springtime showers right there. <laughs> he said springtime showers. Springtime showers. Oh. oh meanwhile, in South Louisiana, it, the highs are in the 50s and we're wearing four layers. We're complaining. <laughs> we're, we're, we're complaining. Well, yeah. the thing is with us, I'm sure you guys go through the same thing in the Carolinas, especially in North Carolina, by the Appalachian Mountains. You know, for us, like last week around Thanksgiving, it was it was 78 degrees. And it was warm. And you walk outside and you're like, and you look at the Macy's Day Parade, everybody's all bundled up cold. Oh my gosh, it's, oh, Christmas is around the corner up in New York City. And then you're down here and we're wearing, we're wearing shorts. And, and all of a sudden, three days later, a cold front comes in. And on a Saturday, it's not only windy outside, but it drops from 78 to 48. And we're all like, man, like, I guess I got to get my, 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 my long johns out. The, the, I got to wipe the dust off in my closet because, you know, uh, we have such drastic weather changes down here. I'm sure, like I said, I'm sure it's the same thing for y'all, but at least at least with you guys, you get the snow. We, we don't get the snow. We get that nasty, humid, cold wind, and it's miserable. It's you awful. Know, you know, Jerry, you, you said you said you dusted off your, your clothes in the back of the closet. You know what I said? Holy what? hell, I have to go to the store and buy cold weather clothes. Because <laughs> I don't own yeah. any. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> if, if, if I need if I need more than a hoodie and sweatpants, I'm in trouble. Oh jeez. Oh e- Ethan, yeah. let, let's let's get into this. You know, before we before we kind of wrap it up. You know, we've been talking about the weather. I, I want to know in your mind how that plays a factor in this ball game, and then also if there's one X factor in this football game for you, who or what is it? Hmm. Um, you know, I do, I do think, I think the thing that, that became so hard in the game last year against Georgia Southern, I keep going back to that one because that was the worst weather I saw. Um, I think the thing that made that so hard was the wind. It was just like incredibly terrible that day. Um, cause I can remember sitting there in the press box and watching, like seeing snow starting kind of to, le- to the left of the press box and almost sweeping across like completely uh, parallel to my line of sight, you know, like there was, re- there was barely any dip in it. Um, so if there's wind like that, I would be really concerned about how App State moves to the passing game. If there's not a lot of wind, um, I think that really – gives them the opportunity to try to keep themselves balanced and keep the offense open up again. Um, as far as X factor goes, that's interesting. Um, I'm really, really interested. And I think I mentioned this to you guys. Um, we were kind of setting stuff up for this, but, um, 
Smarty Charles has been incredible this year. Um, I, I'm, I'm interested to see if Louisiana even throws his way because he has been so dominant. I think I don't. I know he didn't have any pass deflections. I don't think he had any pass deflections in the game against Troy, and I still think he leads the nation in pass deflections. Um, just been a a complete cover guy when it comes to the guys he's matching up against. Um, so I'm interested to see how disruptive he can be. You know, I think it's probably an easy answer to say Zach as well, but I think Zach's got a lot to prove. I think he proved a lot against Troy, and you know, you're not talking about a Troy team that's that a Troy team of like 2018 and Neil Brown era, but um, you're talking about a still pretty decent Sunbelt program in Troy. Um, it might be eventually starting to turn that corner maybe next year or so. Um, but I think this is a, this is a, this is a game that App State's going to be up for. I really believe that because, um, they're used to playing Louisiana in December for some belt title games. That's not happening this year, but it's still going to have some of that emotion and feeling to it, especially for a group of seniors on senior night that, you know, the season has, has definitely come with a couple of, of sub toes, as Sean Clark as Sean Clark put it in the press conference after Troy on Saturday. Um, they got a lot that they can still accomplish in this season. Um, I think they're going to be up for this one quite a bit. I find it interesting because, you know, you, I, I'm used to, I guess as an outsider looking in, I'm used to app dominating games in the conference. Um, you know, I'm like, outside, of course, I, some of the fans aren't going to be happy when I say this, but outside of Georgia Southern, of course, Georgia Southern's always been kind of the thorn on the app side, I guess, because of the rivalry itself. But, you know, this season, uh, I look at some of the games and, uh, you know, they, they drop one to Coastal, like, just like the rest of us. But then I see a game against Georgia State where the game came down to the wire. But then I look at the game against Troy, a game that I thought was going to be respectable. And the Mountaineers just dominated that game. Uh, yeah. So there's, it seems it's, it's a very as a as a Cajuns fan going into this matchup, it's it's kind of a dangerous thought because my question is which app is going to show up? Is the one against Georgia State going to show up, or is the one against Troy going to show up? Because if the one against Georgia State is going to show up, I'm feeling feeling a lot better. But if they're starting to click like they did last week against Troy, we're gonna have it's going to be a war. Yeah, and I, I, I really think that the Troy game was a really positive step. And, you know, if that's the start of a trend, you know, it's, it's, a, it's a bummer for App State because it didn't happen. It didn't start two games ago, you know. Uh, yeah. You know, like even, even their games against Texas State, UL Monroe, like they were pretty no, – like they were kind of no-doubt victories. Um, but I wouldn't say that they look nearly as good as they did against Troy on offense. Um, and, and, you know, like I know the, the app state fan base has been pretty, like, um, pretty frustrated with like some of the offensive, um, you know, not the, you know, kind of the game plans. And like, I always try to mention, like, I think, I really do think that you have to take into account that they are dealing with a wide receiver group that maybe wasn't as ready on the second and third rungs of the depth chart as you would have liked for them to have been because, you know, you don't really know that you're going to run into a, a Corey Sutton opting out or, 
Thomas Hennigan or Jalen Virgil both dealing with injury, you don't know that that's going to happen until it's right there in your face. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, things like that, whether you like it or not, what, no matter how good your team is, that's going to affect what you can do on offense. Um, and, like, it clearly showed against, against Troy. Like, you saw a, a completely different, you know, type of game that they could call because Thomas Hennigan was as healthy as he's ever been. Henry Pearson is getting healthier. He's their starting tight end, and he's, he was a guy that got hurt, like, almost in the first play against Charlotte in the season opener and was kind of down for a bit, and it slowly worked his way back. Um, you know, I think they're trending in the right direction. And this is definitely that game where you show, like, okay, that wasn't just an anomaly where the matchup worked in our favor. You know, this is, this is App State saying, hey, we can still ball out pretty hard um, with what we've got right now. Right, right. Yeah, no no question about it. Friday night is going to be a fun game. Uh, currently sitting at a two-and-a-half-point line in favor of the Mountaineers. Ethan, before we let you go, I'm going to ask you this one more question. And every guest that we have had on a Behind Enemy Line segment hates this one. Give, give me a score prediction. Oh, yeah. Yeah, you're right. I've, add me to the group. Um, <laughs> I... Uh, Man, I'm so bad at score predictions. Um, God, guys, I don't know if I can even give you a number. I do think I do think that this is Louisiana's best best chance to upend App State. I really, really do think that. But I also think that it's really, really hard to beat App State in Boone. Um, you know, so I think it's going to be tight. I don't know if I can tell you who which way it's going to go. I definitely think it's going to be really, really tight. Can I do that? Can I, can I, can I flake out that hard and not do a score prediction? Is that, is that I mean, terrible? I mean, I mean, man, that, that's up to you. Yeah, that's, that's your choice, man. All right, I'm flaking. All right, all right. Well, <laughs> there, 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 there you go. Abstate's beat writer, you know, he, he, he's calling it too close to call. I think it's going to be real tight. I really, really do. I think, again, like, as a guy that's paid attention to, you know, the games that I could see of Louisiana and the stat lines that have come out of them, that's a really, really good football team that is, is finally getting some credit that it's deserved for longer than it's gotten it. Yeah, that, no, no question about it. Ethan, man, we, we appreciate you for joining us. Rage and Review, guys, you can follow him on Twitter at EthanJoyceWSJ. And for everybody listening – Please spam Ethan's Twitter page to get him to follow the podcast. Oh yeah, I need to do that. I thought I did when I, when I got that DM from you. I'm sorry, <laughs> man. I mean, we we we, we got to get the. I mean, the Duke Mayo Bowl was like your best friend for a little while last year. Yeah, you just you guys just got followed. You're followed. Heck yeah. Heck yeah. That's what we're that talking wasn't about. even a that was that wasn't even a guilt trip thing. That was a legitimately I thought I followed when I when I answered the DM. <laughs> <laughs> Ethan, man, we appreciate you joining us. Uh, enjoy the game Friday night, and uh, we will uh, we'll talk to you down the line. All right, fellas, take care. Thank you, Ethan. And there he goes, Ethan Joyce of the Winston Salem Journal. We'll take a break here on Rage and Review. When we come back, we'll recap this interview and so much more. Stay tuned. Rage Interview. 
Think you're saving money by booking your trips on those travel sites? Think again. Our friends at Escape Reality Travel Agency can customize your trip hassle-free and, in many cases, for less money. Escape Reality Travel Agency offers service before, during, and after the trip. That ensures a top-notch experience for you and your family. Owners Shaden Haney and Chrislyn Vollenweider pride themselves on providing personalized service and expert guidance for every traveler. Whether domestic or international, the planning process will be painless. Maybe you're looking for a park or resort-style family getaway. With Escape Reality, you can focus on the fun and let them do the work. Perhaps you're looking to attend a Raging Cajuns road game. No problem. Escape Reality can help. Just visit them on the web at yourescapefromreality.com or call 337-281-1801. PSC Supply and Hardware, locally owned since 1987, is the official hardware store of the Range and Review podcast. PSC is Louisiana's oldest dealer of Traeger grills and one of two platinum dealers in the state. PSC is your barbecue headquarters, carrying PK and Weber grills, Blackstone products, and the largest selection of barbecue seasonings in South Louisiana. Do you need propane? On sale every Saturday. What about pellets for your electric smokers? That's on sale every Saturday, too. Come see Willie and the gang out at PSC Supply and Hardware, 1014 Albertson Parkway in Broussard, or call 337-837-2811. Check out their website, pscsupply.com. Acadiana business owners, are you looking for custom solutions from local professionals that understand your business needs? Maybe you're looking to streamline your processes, become more efficient, and achieve elevated peace of mind? Utilizing and combined 30 years of experience in the financial and technology fields, the Vaulted Security Team is ready to assist you with reaching your goals. From credit card processing, internet and phone services, website hosting and design, to hosted cloud, even digital marketing and recovery software, Vaulted Security can do it all. Here's a message from Solutions Specialist, Anna Bourgeois. Hi, I'm Anna Bourgeois, your Solutions Specialist, and it's my goal to understand how we can make your business run more efficiently while increasing profits. I'm very passionate about doing business genuinely. In the merchant services industry and other business areas, it's hard to find a partner that you can trust without question. I'm here to change that perception. Give me a chance to show you what true partnership is all about. Contact Anna today at 337-210-4272 or email Anna at Vaulted Security. Welcome back to Rage Interview. Matt Miguez here. Jerry Abear joins us as well. We just sat down with Ethan Joyce of the Winston-Salem Journal to preview the App State Mountaineers and the Raging Cajuns Friday night in Boone, North Carolina, 7.30 kickoff on the Mothership ESPN. Jerry, you know, initial thoughts on the interview and, you know, how how valid do you think were were some of Ethan's comments? Well, I think... I mean, first of all, that was a, that was a, that was really really nice of Ethan to come on. We want to thank Ethan for joining us for this past hour to discuss this showdown in Boone on Friday night. But also, um, you know, one thing I find about that that he, the things that Ethan talked about was also so a sense of it was a sense of respect for our program as well. Um, you know, when he talked, you know, in closing remarks, he talked about you know he's not even he can't even give a prediction because 
of what he has seen with the Cajuns uh, and what they've been able to do. Um, and it's, it's, it's very complimentary for a beat writer who's part of a school that has a winning tradition. Um, I find that he brought a lot of good info when it came to also discussing, um, you know, uh, everything that App's been through. They've had their ups and downs this season, but they've still been able to maintain the level of success that sort of reaches the expectations of what their fans want and are used to. Um, and I, I thought it was a great interview. I thought he, he highlighted a lot of key points. I thought that he brought a lot of thought to what type of players we can look out for on Friday night from App and on their side of the ball. Um, so, yeah, it was, a, it was a great interview, and I really, really, really enjoyed uh, having him on here. Yeah, no, there he, he was very, very knowledgeable on the Mountaineers football program. You know, talking about this game, I've said it multiple times on this episode, I'm very confident in our ability to go to Boone, North Carolina and win on Friday night. However, I would be remiss if I did not say that I am terribly afraid to play App State. Well, I mean, look at the history. Unfortunately, I, uh, we I really love, haven't been the good I, side of that. I love slash hate playing these guys. Yeah. I love it because yeah. you're always going to get a good football game. So as a football fan, I love it. As a UL fan who, I mean, for lack of better words, we have been owned by App State over the last six years. I mean, yeah, well, yeah, we've also I, I never, traveled there. I never really look forward to this game. I mean, we've also traveled there, what, the what, past five times? Six out of seven times. Yeah. Five out of six or six out of seven times. Yeah, so it's like, it's almost like, like it's a, it's like a yearly trip to boom. Um, so for me, I, I think the beauty of this football team is that, or our football team is that we have this sort of mantra in the locker room of anywhere or any. Any place at any time, um, you know, uh, like Ethan brought up about our ranking, uh, getting into the top 25 of the CFP poll, you know, the number nine team in the country lost to us by 17 at their house. Right. So, and we're undefeated on the road this year. So, you know, I, I, I think to our advantage, there's no, there's, there's really, it doesn't matter where the game is played. Um, you know, Coach Napier is going to have this team ready, regardless of where it is and who it is. Um, but, you know, I just don't want history to repeat itself for the ninth straight time either. Right. Um, and I think this is, I really do believe that this is a team, this is the year to finally get over that hump. Now it's time to go out and produce and go do it. Yeah, yeah. No, there's there's no question about it. Like Ethan said, this is this is the best chance we've had to to take down, you know, again for lack of better terms, Goliath. Yeah, uh, the, App State has been our Goliath since they since they joined the Sun Belt Conference. So it, it'll be interesting to see how how that goes. Uh, once again, seven thirty kickoff Friday night on ESPN between the Cajuns and the Mountaineers in Boone. Uh, like we said earlier, weather in the low forties. Rainy and a light breeze. Um, I think I saw about four or five miles an hour around kickoff. So nothing, nothing too crazy from a wind perspective. Jerry, any any final thoughts before we before we send this one home? I just I just want to play, man. Um, you know, the game was postponed back in October, and uh, I know App State had a lot of 
issues with, with the COVID um, virus down there. Um, you know, I know they've been through a lot in that community with everything that's happened over the past nine months. But um, I'm glad that we're still able to get this game in because it's a very important game. And, you know, from a mental standpoint, I think our team needs this game as well because, you know, you play this game, you get a bye week, and then you go to Coastal. Um, You're coming off a huge win on the road in Monroe to where, you know, it was one of those games where nothing could go wrong against a so-called rival. And the week or the two weeks before that, you were able to play a decent South out team that you pretty much dominated from start to finish. So, you know, just like Ethan said about app, the way they played against Troy last week, where they're starting to find some momentum. We have gotten that momentum over the past two games we've played. Um, so, or I'll, I'll even say it goes as far back as the second half of the Arkansas state game when they hung 27 on, on Arkansas state to win the game. So over the past, I'd say two and a half games. Cause I mean, the first half of Arkansas state was not our best performance, but over the past two, two and a half games, you know, the team is clicking on all cylinders in a way that to compete with just about anyone right now. Um, so I'm hoping that that momentum continues. There's no doubt that these players are looking their chops going to Boone. They oh, want sure. this game. For sure. Um, you know, when, when you, when you were able to do what you did last week and basically put your, put your foot down, um, good teams find a way to do that when they, they do it how they want to and when they want to. So the question is now um, going into Boone, can they continue that momentum and how much of a factor will weather be? Because weather will be a factor. Um, Don't know how. Not sure yet, but we're going to find out how much of a factor it is. We're going to beautiful Boone, North Carolina Friday night for this nationally ranked matchup. Cajun Nation, we've got some big things coming for you in the next coming weeks. Please stay tuned. Um, you know, we're we're in the Christmas spirit here at Rager Interview, so who knows? There might be a might be a little bit of giving to uh to take place. We'll we'll have plenty of surprises for you here over the next couple of weeks. Jerry, thank you so much for joining me as always, man, and uh looking forward to a good one Friday night. No, it's my pleasure, my friend, and I'm looking forward to it as well. And uh, should be a should be a war. Oh, always. All right, Cajun Nation. Enjoy the game. We'll talk to you guys next week.